but you can hear that. Okay, because you can. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We still got the we still got the Groovecast intro going on, and they can't hear you yet because I gotta switch to the next scene. It's technology stuff, man. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Here we go. We are here on air. <laughs> I got a new background. Check it out. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Noah's Groupcast. This is episode number 18. I'm really excited today to have Nathan Douglas. He's Skyping in. He's digitally appearing all the way from Seal Beach, California, which is in amazing and insane. I mean, I just, I don't know. I know I probably sound like like uh, really old school or something like that, or I don't sound like the new kids as cool or something, but I still just can't get over that tech. It's just insane. It's like the fact that you can recreate your image, ship it instantly, more or less, to anywhere, like specific, anyway. We won't get into all of it. It's crazy, and Nathan's with us. Um, I don't think I have a whole lot to say off the top in terms of like just general updates. Um... Got some gigs coming up. Uh, Pickers Hullabaloo. I'm going to be playing at Firefly um, Distillery on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12. So come on out to that. Um, James Island Charleston Sports Pub on Thursday. Fridays at City Market downtown. Um, if you want to be uh, on... If you're, if you're a musician in Charleston and you're interested in coming on this podcast... Get in touch with me. Um, you know, if any any of the folks that I know, just reach out to me. Um, we can talk about it. Um, got some openings to record. I don't think I have a whole lot else to say. Oh, here's no. I do want to say this. I just signed up for a marathon. Uh, I've never done a marathon before in my life, and I hate running. <laughs> so <laughs> Nathan's shaking his head. Um, I just thought, you know, sometimes you got to do things that you hate. Because, yeah, all right. Uh, I think sometimes you got to do things you hate. And so I hate running. Uh, I've tried to do it in the past, but I always got to be chasing a ball. I'm like I'm like a dog. Um, <laughs> I got to be chasing a ball, man. It's just the way it is. If there's a ball, I will chase that ball forever. I mean, it's insane. But if you just want to have me run, I, I can't do it. But so I'm the, the, the marathon is going to be in Kiowa. Um, uh, on in De on, in December, and so I've got like what four months or, or so, four and a half months to train for it. Um, shout out to Dan Riley for posting about it. I, he posted about it. He was saying looking for other people to join him, and so if I if I wouldn't have seen that, I wouldn't have done it. And so honestly, I don't feel like I'm gonna be able to do it. But you know, we'll see. Maybe I can get together with Dan and run. And on the, the subject of Dan Riley, or mentioning Dan Riley, shout out to Edisto Blackwater Boogie. Uh, knowing the space Ark is gonna be playing the boogie um, October, and I'm blanking on the dates. It's October like a ninth, I think. No, October seventh. I think we're October seventh, but you can see it on our calendar. Um, we're really looking forward to that. For those of you that don't know, Edisto Blackwater Boogie. It's a three-day festival in the Givens State Park, Givens Ferry State Park. Uh, you can camp out. Whole bunch of bands playing. They've got these great, awesome stages and uh, different booths and, and food trucks, and, and it's really, really awesome. So come check it out. 
Without any further ado, we're going to try to switch this tech over and get Nathan on the screen. So let's let's hope this goes. Crossing the fingers. Boom! It is working. Yes. What up, Nathan? What's up? I be here. I be here. All right. What's up, uh, everybody? This is Nathan Douglas. I I, I think like anybody that's been following me, you, you've I think you've either seen Nathan before, if you heard his name mentioned. Um, you, you, maybe you already know him, but for those of you that don't know him, he's currently based out of Seal Beach, and I think he's going to be there for a while. I think I think he's planning to be there until they kick me <laughs> out, man. They're going to drag me out of this place. It's paradise. Yeah. So um, Nathan is a songwriter, and that's what I would say first and foremost. You're a songwriter. Um, but I was I was leaning back in my chair and and, and stomping down on a cable, which would, would not be good, but. I would say he, he's first and foremost a songwriter. And I think that's kind of what got you going was your your main drive it was was uh, writing songs, but that's led him to be quite the hell of or quite a performer, and you've done uh, a whole lot of performance. Um, it, it you know the songwriting kind of led you into that. You started doing the open mics, and then you, you've done a whole bunch of busking. You've done some gigging. Um, you've worked with a, a variety of different uh, musicians in, in many different uh, performance capacities. And anyway, um, it's – okay, how many songs – let's start with this. How many songs do you think you've written? I've written well over 1,000, but that doesn't mean a damn thing because, <laughs> you know, 95% of them were terrible. <laughs> I throw away a lot of songs. <laughs> But that's okay, you know. I mean, I think that's part of the process, and and I and you have to be your own editor, and you have to be honest with yourself, and you have to be able to say, you know, this just doesn't measure up. And and in my case, I think like one out of ten songs that I write survive the uh, first test, you know, which is done weeks or months later. You always need to give some distance to what you've written before you look at it critically, really. But yeah, at some point, I realized that the overwhelming majority of Songs that I write just suck. <laughs> I mean, they're horrible, and I, I'd be the first to admit it. <laughs> I think, but what's left? I think I got a pretty little good group of uh, of songs, yeah. and we're going to talk about some of those today, hopefully. Yeah. So, I think I think you're. Uh, I think he's. I think he's selling himself short a little bit. I think he's trying. He's, be, he's <laughs> doing a new a new exercise in humility. <laughs> <laughs> so, I gotta set the bar real low yeah, for yeah. these folks, man. Well, so, um, okay. I think anytime. I, do you think you write a song a day usually, or, or yeah? Is, you know, this lately I've been averaging a song a day, but that means you know, there'd be two or three days, not necessarily in a row, where I don't write a song at all. But there'd be some songs. I, I write a lot of songs out of dreams. You know, I wake up and I have a piece of a song left. And then I'll get up at 2.30 in the morning and I'll go to the piano and I'll find the, uh, you know, the, the basic melody. And then I'll build it on out from wherever it was, whether I started with a verse or a chorus, add the chords and, and write everything I needed otherwise. And I always try to add a bridge. Um, and then, you know, I end up with, you know, by what? If I get up at 2.30 in the morning and I'm up there, I'm probably by 3, 3.15, I got a song. So it takes me about 30 minutes to 45 minutes to write a song. I'm not particularly proud of that fact. I know a lot of people struggle with writing and it takes them a very long time. But there are people who do write songs that quickly and, you know, professional, successful people. So I, I think it's on a spectrum and I'm on that end of the spectrum. I'm, I'm a pretty prolific writer and I'm a quick writer. 
Um, so, and I live with the results, you know, I don't try to be anything more than I am. You know, I, I, there's certain genres I can't write. There's certain kinds of songs I can't write and I don't try to write them. You do, you do write a lot of genres though. Yeah, I do. Yeah. What, what, uh, it's what, it's what you know, the song dictates that, right? You know, when you hear a song, my songs, I don't really sit down and say, I'm going to write a song. The songs come to me from wherever they come. That's the muse, right? I mean, and that's a mystery. And, and I'm not going to worry about where it comes from. But when it comes to me, my job is to externalize it. Okay. So uh, what, are, what are some of your favorite genres to write in? Or do you even think it process it that way? And it's just, if it comes in, you, you I, write it. I, I don't. I mean, I know what I'd like to be able to write, but I can't write. I mean, you want to talk about it that way. Um, I, I like R&B, you know. I grew up on R&B, particularly Motown and Stax Records. And uh, I, I just don't think I could write an R&B ballad. I, I, I'm sure some of the songs I've written that are ballads could be turned into R&B, but it would take like an R&B arranger to do that because I, I don't really have a good feel for, for what, what needs to be done to a song to make it sound more R&B. Funk, I have a pretty good feel for funk, and we've actually done, you work with me on a funk, a one. funky kind brother of song. One. Yeah, it was about James Brown, Brother One, our, our soul brother, number one, but we called him Brother yeah. One. Uh, so yeah, I got a pretty good feel for funk, but R&B escapes me. Uh, I do country, don't do bluegrass, can't stand bluegrass. Sorry to offend anybody there <laughs> in the Southeast, but bluegrass doesn't move me. <laughs> I don't like folk, you know, but maybe something I've written could be kind of done to, to a folk. So I stick with, stick. you know, I'm on my tracks yeah. and I'm comfortable with that because because there's an infinite number of songs anybody can write in any particular genre. Right. I mean, it's unlimited. You sit down at a keyboard, you know, there's, and you just start playing around with those notes. And all of a sudden there's a melody. And then, you know, like we've talked about otherwise, um, lyrics, lyrics come very quickly to me. So, I, you know, once I hear a melody, I'll find lyrics very quickly. And all of a sudden you build it out to become a song. I think uh, one one way that I've thought about it was it was through, really through I've got a little bug that's being attracted to the light um, anyway. Is flying around like this. So if you see write me, a song about that, <laughs> man. Yeah. You know, there already is a song. Blinded <laughs> by the light. <laughs> That's that Revved bug, man. Like He's blinded deuce. by the light. <laughs> what is it? I, don't, I always heard wrapped up like, like a deuce. deuce. Is that what it is? In the middle <laughs> of the night. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, working, working with you in particular, and, and for everybody out there, working with Nathan is what really opened my mind to um, – lots of different uh, genres and, and I think understanding deeper what a genre was or what a genre is. Cause I like, I think that's, it's actually part of uh, my whole journey in music was, or, or why I even kind of got into it was to dispel the mysticism about it from, at least for myself. Um, no, you're right. I've got a note to self yeah. that we wrote when yeah. we were having a conversation a few months ago, I said, debunk debunk the mysticism debunk because mysticism. writing a song is yeah sort of mystical but bottom line is it's you know it's pretty pragmatic when you get down <laughs> I, to it i think that, yeah i think that's probably true i don't know like there, there's what what uh it like rides the line right there's something it is the magic part is the is the person it's not the song really right it's like right. i mean if you if you create a great the song is like a structure i guess right the song that if you create an, an incredible structure, it it's sort of a framework for many people to be able to express the magic of who they are, and they can kind of yes. color that all. They 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 let yes. their personality color the, that framework, and that's kind of even the way I would think of like genres is they're just different. Uh, like tap, I don't know if the words tapestries, but like if you've got a framework and you laid cloth over it. <laughs> 
<laughs> this metaphor is great. But the cloth would give a certain I color. I can't help you, brother. You're digging that hole the, deeper and the deeper. Cloth would, Keep going. The cloth gives a certain color. Maybe it gives a certain texture or a certain look or a glow or whatever it is. And I think those are the different instrumentations that you lay over like a 4-4 four, four time or a downbeat or, or whatever it is. Um, when you use um, like an organ just chopping in and um, on, on the upbeat or the downbeat, whatever it is, then you get that reggae, that reggae feel. But if you change, yes. it, if you change it to some, like a guitar with more drive, then you're going more like, I guess, ska or not ska, but like maybe it's kind of, I, 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 I still don't. I'll yeah. give you an old school ex example yeah. of what you're talking about. And, and basically you're, you're almost talking about arranging now, but uh, Chuck Berry's uh, signature song is Johnny Be Good, right? Yeah. So Johnny Be Good is like stereotypically Chuck Berry. Um, and I think most people know that song, but uh, Peter Tosh, um, who was with Bob Marley and the Whalers, right? Peter Tosh did a cover of that and it's reggae and it doesn't sound anything like the original Johnny Be Good. I mean, it's, it's the same song, the same lyrics, yeah. the same melody, but because it, it has what you just said, you know, it's got that reggae feel. He pushed it into the reggae genre. And for my money, yeah. Peter Tosh's version of Johnny Be Good is better than Chuck Berry's. Check that out. I love it. Okay. Yeah, it's a terrific, terrific. It's, it's, you know, it was back in whenever, the 70s or whatever it came out. But but anybody want to check that out to compare those two to kind of bring home that point you're talking about? Yeah, you can take a one genre and make it into another genre. And there's probably examples of that with country songs going either way, you know, where somebody took an original pop hit, made it into a country hit or vice versa, probably more so vice versa. I've got an example with, with my, with one of my own songs. I wrote a song called beautiful Frankenstein. I think you know, yes. and um, that is uh, when I wrote it, it's an acoustic waltz. Um, right. Maybe, maybe kind of like a, a ballad kind of waltz. It's, it's very haunting and dramatic. Um, but right. the I started playing it with with Luke Gonzalez, the guy that, that I'm working with, that's a drummer in my band, No in the Space Dark. And when we first ever played that song together, he comes from a metal background. He was a metal, he was a drummer okay. in metal bands like right. basically his whole life. And so he he you know really he said let's speed this raw. thing up, man. Well, we kept it. We, we actually kept the tempo pretty. At, at oh, a, you kept the tempo the, the same. Tempo the same. Oh. But we just went really big with the drums, and and you realize yeah. it can be really one of these epic metal anthems. It really works. Gotcha. It, and and I gotcha. can see I've seen some stage performances of these kind of anthem metal players. Um, and, yes. And that would be perfect. It would. I mean, it would be insane to see that song played like that. Um. Well, let's let's go. Let's. Let me give yeah. you another quick example, sure. okay? Um. You can swing the star spangled. Spangled. I like to swing first of all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, Rob, you may talk about him later, but our experiences, joint experiences with Robbie Ravenwood, who's a, a jazz, old school jazz standard aficionado. And and so Robbie likes to swing everything. And, and so I was thinking one day uh, you could swing the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? What's a promptly we hail? By the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And I'll spare you the rest, but you know, it's, it's a totally different feel. Same song, same melody. But for me, I mean, I, I kind of like that. And I've sung that a couple of times, you know, a cappella open mics. Nice. And, you know, 
Nobody stands up. They're supposed to stand up. I don't know. And I played that. Uh, I played that at my uh, on the Fourth of July. After uh -huh. after a long day or whatever of, of doing some gigs, then I set my speaker up. They, they were shooting fireworks off, and they shoot fireworks up every year. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna yeah. do my my patriotic duty. You know, my citizen Good. duty, and, and this is what I do. I'm I'm a musician, so. You know, maybe I'm not the best at singing the uh, the national anthem, but at least I can. I'll, I'll accompany it with with uh, their their you know and show some some spirit, some American spirit, you know. And I played it. I played three uh, song, three patriotic songs. I think "America the Beautiful," right? Um, yes, yes. "God Bless the USA," and then uh, the "Star Spangled Ban Star Spangled Banner." They completely ignored me. Like uh, I had one <laughs> at, the, at the very end of the Star Spangled Banner, they uh, gave like this really half-assed applause, and I was just like, "Okay, yeah, that wasn't right." <laughs> How old are these right. people? I think they're like it's. It was a bunch of families. Like there were there's some kids, and they're probably anywhere from like uh, eight to like fifty. I would say somewhere in that range. Yeah. I'll tell you a quick, a quick yeah. funny story about just this thing. Um, it's the other end of the spectrum. I go to a karaoke uh, over in uh, Bellflower, and it's at a, a lodge. Uh, they're called, they call themselves the Eagles, right? I think they're all across the country, Eagles Lodge. So there might be some Eagles people in your audience. But anyway, and, and much respect to the Eagles. They're good people. But uh, they, start, <laughs> they start their karaoke by singing God Bless the USA, the uh, Lee Greenwood song, right? It's one you're singing, right? Yeah, yeah. And everybody in that place gets up and stands up, puts their hands over their heart, takes off their hat. <laughs> you know, I, when I first went there, I forgot to take off my hat, and, they, and I realized they were all looking at me, and then I figured, oh, I got to have my hat off. But they, that's their Star Spangled Banner, man. You better, you better, you know, conform yeah. when you get in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. They should have stood up and they should have applauded loudly because, you know, our country's uh, a great country in spite of its yeah. flaws. And, yeah, yeah, you just hear that song. You, yeah, I don't know. Well, um, all right. Yeah, let's, so I, I had some some segue on there, but oh, let's ju let's jump into this. I want to let's ask you this question. This is kind of like completely jumping subjects here. But I was sure this uh, thought came to me. I just wanted to ask it. It's um, look, you so. You, I met Nathan in Long Beach, California, and this is kind of uh, when you really, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, this is when you really dove into being a songwriter, like really full time. And yes. Every, and, and so, and you, you were doing this in Long Beach for years. Um, you did a whole bunch of different uh, events. You were participating in a whole bunch of different events. Um, you did a whole bunch of street performing, busking, and with Rowdy Ravenwood, and and then, but then eventually you you left California, um, you went to the East Coast, you were there for like a year, and then you you've come back, um, and now you're in Seal Beach. And I was just curious, is it different? Like, it, it, did that help? Did that um, do you have a different mindset at all with your songwriting and and your performing? No, not okay. at all. Okay. It was like I never left. Okay. I picked up right where I left off, and that's I've done 200 performances since I got back the end of okay. January. So that's a little over uh, six months, like six months in a week, and I've done 205 performances. And that's the beauty of Long Beach in this area we're in. You're very familiar with it. Is there's plenty of places to go perform. Um, so I've done jazz jams with uh, Brian, uh, Brandon Baker, 
And uh, I, I just sang with a jazz band today at the Senior Center down in Long Beach, sang Misty and, you know, songs like that. And uh, doing open mics down here at Bogarts and Seal Beach and open mics elsewhere. And then gigging with Robbie, I was with him in the, at the Secret Island uh, bar down in Long Beach on Thursday night. So there's just been so many opportunities. And the comparison is in the, fifth, in the uh, 13 months I was living back east, I did 51 performances. And then, and then the six months I've been here, I've done 200. So, I mean, you, you can do the math. So I'm where I belong. You know, I went back for family reasons. We can talk about that if you want to. But otherwise, yeah, I, I decided that I, would, I belonged here, not there. So let's 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 uh, talk about performance a little bit. And so, sure, what was it like? What would you maybe you could just talk a little bit about what it's been like developing as a performer or evolving as a performer, sure. and uh, maybe what it was like at the very beginning. Was it was it anxiety? Did it bring you a lot of anxiety? Was it tough? And and maybe also just talk about what drives you to perform and why. Yeah, if, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Let let me tie it immediately to your marathon challenge. Okay. Because that's what I did when I moved to uh, Long Beach, the first, uh, Jan literally January 1st, 2011. Um, I decided that, okay, I've dabbled in this songwriting thing for a long time. I'm going to try to enroll in Long Beach City College because they had a commercial music program at the time and they had a songwriting track. And the only other school I could find online when I was back east right before I retired was the Berkeley School of Music in Boston. And Berkeley was costing $40,000 a year, and Long Beach City College songwriting program was costing, you know, like under a thousand. So it was a no brainer, uh, you know. And I had gone to Long Beach City College uh, back in the day, you know, when I was out in California uh, years ago and, and went through their system and got my degrees in, to include at UCLA. So I said, I'm going to go to Long Beach City College. I was fortunate that they had an open registration like the week after I got here, and I was able to uh, register for the first class, a songwriting class at Long Beach City College that first semester in 2011. So now I'm in that, you know, I'm going to only take one course for the first year, you know, two semesters, two courses, because I'm out of state and it's cost a whole lot of money. But, you know, once you've been here a year, man, and I'm paying in-state tuition, it was like dirt cheap. It was great. So now I'm in the program in 2012 and 2013, going full blast, learning all the other stuff you have to learn, you know, the pro tools and stuff like that, or trying to learn pro tools. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, um, and, and I heard about a, what they called a vocal performance class. Hmm. And this class at Long Beach City College, you know, I wish it still existed, but they, they did away with this program uh, in 2013. That was with Sharon, right? I, was that Sharon? Uh, no, that was not with oh. Sharon. That was with a guy named Tom Dustman. Okay, Tom Dustman. He's since retired. Yeah, he's pretty uh, famous in the local community out here because he taught all, he taught Sharon. I mean, he was okay, one of yeah. Sharon's instructors. So, um, so I, I heard about the class. So I went to the class, right? I had never performed in public. I had never really sung. I had never really sung. And so, uh, um, and this was only what, uh, 10 years ago, right? So I'm in this class and the class was in a recital hall, you know, with tiered seating. So it was like a, a regular auditorium. And there was at least 60 people in that class. And they had a piano down on the stage area and, and stage lighting and a PA system. And what you, what you did was you got with the piano player who, it's Kevin Carney. He's amazing. Any song, he's ready to go. You can't stump this guy, right? Of course, he he sight reads, you know, so he had in the music and he's still ready to go. So uh, so um, 
what you had to do in that class is you had to perform, uh, I think it was uh, nine times over the course of the semester, like once a week or whatever. And so I had to get up in front of this class. And these are all like music majors and singers. I mean, legit singers. And I couldn't sing. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't find the key. And so I got up and I sang things I knew like King of the Road, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I and, and I was pretty, pretty loose and pretty bad at first, but I kept getting better, you know. And then and what I and I took it the next semester, you know, as a as an enrolled student or whatever. So I progressed. And, and what happened along the way is I met a lot of people um, and I got a lot of feedback and I did end up with Sharon Giartano down in Long Beach at Gilmore Music uh, as a vocal coach. And she encouraged me to go to open mics. And by then I had my legs under me. And in and, and retrospect, I'll wrap it up by saying what I realized was what Tom Dustman was doing with his vocal performance class, solo vocal performance is what it was called, at Long Beach City College was really an open mic, you know, yeah, yeah. because people would get up and they'd sing one song, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and we'd all applaud. And then he would critique us, you know, and it, it was like an open mic. So I was already ready for open mic because I had done that. And then I went to open mic at Gilmore first. Huh. Because Gilmore used to have an open mic there in the store, believe it or not. Seventh Street. And yeah, on Seventh Street yeah. at Cherry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and you know, tried some things there and got a little braver. And then I met you. I went over to Sababa's. Yeah. Because you know, you, you you hear words. Where's that? Oh, there's an open mic on Tuesday night over right, here. Right, oh, there's right. an open mic on Wednesday right. night over there. Yeah. And at that time, there was uh, I think at some point in time there was an open at least one open mic every night of the week in the Long Beach area. And so, I, God, I started going to every one of them. I would go seven seven nights a week, man, because I was retired. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. I got nothing else to do. Let me do this. And the more you go, and, and I would say that to anybody that's out there who who you know is, is at, at the beginning of this, the only way you get it is if you get on stage and do it. I mean, you got to keep getting on stage, and you will you will get better and better, and you'll get more and more comfortable. You get more and more confident, and at some point. It's going to be your second home and you're going to love it and you're not going to be intimidated by it and, and you'll be able to just let everything out. And that's that's when it's a really nice performance when you're letting everything out. Mm. End of my lecture. No, that was great. <laughs> um, man, I had, uh, I wasn't, I, I was ready to just keep sitting and listening. So. <laughs> I got to give you a chance to talk. You're the host. No, no, uh. Well, talk about Sababas, man. You know, there was a lot of us that were there at Sababas. You had just come into town. You were sitting at the bar. Yeah, Eddie yeah. Booz was running the show. Uh, and uh, Robbie Ravenwood showed up. I think even Gio McCaleb was there. Uh, and David Ricks, also known as Buck Fitty. Yeah, so we all met there. Yeah. And open, open mics. I will make a quick statement about open mics, yeah. and this this is directed to all your open micers, and, and lo and behold, it's happened to the one you just had, a mic club or whatever that you, you've decided not to do. Open mics have a have a have a life. And in in uh in Long Beach, one of them had a like a 15-year-plus life, yeah. right? But some open mics come and they go really quickly. Yeah. So whenever an open mic appears on the scene, go. Go as often as you can, get as much out of it as you can, because you never know what's going to happen, yeah. right? The venue could go under and the venue could just not exist anymore. Yeah. The owner could get like frustrated because he's not bringing in enough money. Open mic people are notoriously cheap, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so it could disappear for that reason. Or the host can get tired of doing it or has yeah. something else they got to do, you know? So yeah, open mics are fleeting things and some of them will last for years, some of them will last just for a few months. So take advantage of them while they're there. Yeah. 
you can meet a lot of really interesting people through open mics. I think one of the things too oh, that's yes. really cool about open mics is um, how many really good relationships are built through through open mics. Absolutely, um, it really is pretty amazing, and you meet so many unique people. You know, I think sometimes people think that open mics like they're like you wouldn't go to an open mic uh, if you were looking for musical entertainment. The average you know music consumer won't go to an open mic to do that. Um, they'll want to pay. You're making a big mistake. It's free. Yeah. And invariably, there are going to be people on that open mic stage that are going to blow your doors off. And because yeah. anybody comes through open mics, like, uh, I mean, I've been doing music now, like, almost every day for like, what, eight years? Almost every single day. And then I started doing music uh, as a kid, like in in sixth grade or, or something like that. So I've been doing it my whole life. And then the last eight years, like almost every single day I've done mu- music uh, to some for like hour, an hour at least or something like that, you know? Um, and I still go through and play open mics. So that's not to say like, I'm, you know, it's just that like anybody comes through open mics, you meet so many different people that come through. Uh, I met some band um, where the, the electric guitar player is a blues player. And he was just, he had, his chops were just, and then, of course, we know Sean Conroy, um, who uh, is a guitar player, uh, homeless in, in uh, California. Right. Who's just, his chops are, are great, right? I mean, would you agree? Would yeah, he, he belongs playing in stadiums. I mean, he's really good. He, Dennis Lockett, um, yeah. you know, who's a blues player. I was thinking of him as yeah. you said that. He played blues uh, guitar on, on the Shy But Fly demo that I did called uh, Take a Hint. Mm. And he kills it, man. He does a lot of creative stuff, you know, beyond the, what you expect. And uh, yeah, and, and I met him at an open mic and, and he was one of the over 60 plus musicians that I eventually brought in. Uh, most of those demos you, you worked on with me. Um, and yeah, that's where the, it's a great source of, of fellow musicians to play on your records or CDs or play on in your bands. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good audition almost. Right. Mm. So what for you, um, like, now that you've been performing for as many years as you have, are, do you have certain kinds of uh, places that you prefer to perform? Okay, you've done karaoke, you've done busking, you've done open mics, you've done gigs. Um, you know, what? are there particular platforms or different? Last, last night I, bu- I did karaoke busking. Yeah. So, yeah, and I gotta admit about, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So talk, I mean, <laughs> because you know we got the tracks. Yeah, you know, we I got a I got a laptop that I rented from a guy back east, right? And it's you know it's got forty thousand songs on it. So it's a karaoke laptop, uh, and I, I guess now I'm a KJ karaoke mm-hmm. DJ. KJ is what they okay. call them. Um, you know I'm just sitting down there uh, in in uh, downtown here where I live. And I've got the karaoke laptop sitting on my lap, you know, and a powered speaker underneath the bench I'm sitting at. And, uh, you know, I'm just telling people, come and sing with me. Uh, Because I believe in spreading joy through music. That's my philosophy. You know, I'm not in it for money. I'm not in it for a celebrity or a career at this point because I've already had a career doing something else. But uh, music, I think, should be shared. And I think it should bring joy of some kind. I mean, joy could be sadness, you know what I mean? Because it's cathartic maybe for somebody to hear a sad song. But basically, music should be shared. And and I would backtrack and say that songwriting should be shared. I mean, if you're writing songs, uh, you know, share them with the world somehow, some way, whether it's going to open mics and playing your originals or whether it's doing, you know, uh, on, uh, what is it, SoundCloud and all those other places. 
Um, get it out there because you never know who's going to listen and you never know how it's going to affect them. So I uh, thank you that your gift uh, that you're given by the, you know, the original song you've written is a gift you in turn should give to, to the, to the public, so to speak. Talk about this karaoke, this karaoke busking. And maybe you can talk a little bit about the busking. Um, I call it street karaoke. Street I don't, karaoke. I don't have a, I don't have a, a trademark on that term, but let's, I, let's you know, it's kind of a karaoke. new, it's a cross hybrid like thing. It's busking with karaoke, yeah. street karaoke. It's cool, man. I mean, if you like karaoke, you know, I wish I had found karaoke. I didn't find karaoke until three years ago, man. And I wish I had known karaoke, you know, back like 2013 or 14, because that would have been a good place for me to go next to, to uh, you know, hone my skills as a singer, because I'm not really a, an instrumentalist. I play a little bit of piano enough to write songs, but I, I don't I'm really most comfortable just just conveying a song, you know, just singing a song. And that's what karaoke is. And the cool thing about karaoke is the tracks you're singing to are like, by and large, the original tracks. You know, they may be recreated, but they do it in the style of. And so you got this whole band behind you. In some cases, a big orchestra behind you. And so when you're singing, fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars, and you got that whole orchestra behind you, you yeah. know, and it's pumping out of the speakers <laughs> and your voice is now in the mix. Yeah. It's like, whoa, I'm on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thrill of karaoke, I think, yeah. you know, particularly for guys who are and, and women who are, are good singers. I mean, it's the ultimate to be able to hear your voice mixed in. And then for people who are, you know, struggling or, or just learning or maybe they're just drunk and they're going to make a fool out of themselves. Karaoke people are very welcoming. You know, and it's not about how good you are. It's not American Idol or something. It's just, you know, are you going to have fun again? Have fun with music. Let's have fun. All right. You know, let it go. So on that note, let's so let's I want to I want to keep pushing in that direction with um, like talking about the, the, the street performing, because you have a lot of experience with that at this point. And, and yes, with Robbie, Robbie Ravenwood and just like through, through doing street performing. OK, for anyone that has never done street performing, I think you should do it. It's something everybody should yes. do. Because uh, you will, uh, you will definitely find that you will strike out. <laughs> you you will you will play. And, it's intimidating. And people will just walk by you. Yeah, it could be really intimidating. I think eventually you get to a point where you just don't you just don't care anymore, and it's just like okay, yeah. it is what it is. You can't take it personally. You don't take you can't take it, take it personally. And then you just play and look for the opportunities to connect. And then if people see, because you can't you can't possibly understand why anybody wants to connect with you or not. Try to have a, as good a time as you can doing the music, and then any opportunities that come along where people connect, then you, you enjoy it. But the but um, you know you can, um, I mean you can just fail miserably, and it can be kind of excruciating. I mean from from past experiences, that's the way it's been, and it can be very tough to take just a street and turn it into something where people actually want to engage with you, because many people can be very judgmental as they walk by. And so actually doing something that inspires somebody to connect with you and uh, or inspires them enough that they want to connect and that they're willing to relax and actually enjoy themselves, I don't think it's an easy thing to do. And when you actually see that happening, uh, it's it's very special. Um, and so, you know, you and you and Robbie and I got to be part of that for a little while, um, did that on a weekend, on a <coughs> nightly basis. Every weekend you guys were getting people to do trains you know where, where they'd run, run around and uh they, they people would play a, a inflatable pig or whatever and and they dance and sing and they can join you and and it's, it's well you know you're, you're yeah. covering a lot of territory yeah. let me jump in and say say first of all there's different levels of uh busking yeah 
I think I think the fundamental level would be a setup, and this would apply to most of probably your audience who are um, singer-songwriters, acoustic guitar players. Amp, a mic on a stand. Maybe you're standing or you got you're sitting in a chair, um, and you plug your guitar into the cube amp and your mic into the cube amp, and you put your tip jar out, and you know there you go. So so you you become the music is now outdoors. And, and so you're dealing with all of those surroundings, which could be interpreted as, as distractions. And you've got an audience that's totally mobile. <laughs> you know, they didn't come down to wherever you are to see you, probably. They just noticed you as they were walking by on their way somewhere else. So the challenge for a busker is, can I stop these people right now yeah. and get them to listen to my song? That's level yeah. number one, if you can get them to stop. Okay. Now, by the way, you're, you you want to get a tip out of them, too. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So can I stop them, right? Yeah. And if you can stop them, okay, you, you, you get, you're ahead of the game right there. And then if you can get them to show some physical manifestation of your connection, like, you know, they're, they're shaking their head or they're tapping their feet or, hey, they might be even starting to dance a little bit. Yeah. And then if they're also singing, you know, that's song choice. You got to be sure you're picking the right songs. People know, right? That's yeah. going to make them stop. Oh, that's my favorite song. Yeah, yeah. And then for Robbie and me and you, when you were there, you know, we break the, we break the fourth wall. Yeah. You know, what we'll do is we'll leave that area and engage the audience. Yeah. You know, whether it's to hand them a hand percussion instrument or whether it's to literally dance with them yeah. or carry over a lyric sheet and sit down next to them and, and have them sing along with us. Yeah. But, you know, that's another that's kind of another level of busking is breaking the fourth wall. So we're not stationary. We're always moving and we're always looking to interact. So you've got to be really comfortable in your own skin to be busking in the first place and, yeah. and out exposed like that, not framed on a stage in a small yeah. club where somewhere with only you know 10 people sipping coffee in front of you. Now you're out on the street, cars are going by, hundreds and hundreds of people are walking by, you know, you're really kind of exposed. And then, you know, they, if they start paying attention to you, you got to hold their attention and then I'll mention it now you you want to get some money out of their pocket you want some validation right and when they stop start dropping fives tens twenties and occasionally hundred dollar bills it's like damn i must be doing something right yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't get those hundreds very much i, I actually now they're rare only, i've only hit one i think let uh, me tell you my favorite hundred dollar bill tip story yeah. right so we're out there doing uh, uh there's actually a video of noah and Robbie and me doing a, a, a song called Long Tall Texan. And, and Noah is playing, of all the instruments in the world, Noah is playing a pizza box. Yeah, you heard me right. He's playing a pizza box as a percussion instrument. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that video amazing. is out there, man. Okay, it's cool. Check that out. I'll find it and I'll post it on your Facebook page for people to see later. Yeah, we played some interesting. Uh, yeah, and we had never done that song together before, and it was kind of rough around the edges. But what that shows is is what it takes to really grab an audience, you know, yeah. because we were having a good time. Yeah. Even if people didn't know the song, they're walking by, they're thinking, "Oh, this is cool. This is fun. I'm gonna watch yeah. this. I'm gonna participate or whatever." Yeah. And so that that, that was really cool. Yeah. So anyway. Well, uh, we would we would play out and, and Noah was part of this. We would play out in front of this audience and, and the people in, the, uh, excuse me, play out in front of this restaurant. Yeah. We would play in front of a restaurant. We would face the restaurant. So the people in the restaurant behind the windows would see us through the window, but they couldn't hear a thing we were doing. Yeah. 
right? Right. So we'd be out there, we'd be playing, we'd be running around, we'd be squeezing pigs and shaking shakers and playing guiros and, sh- and stuff and giving people instruments to play. We'd have like 30 people all around, you know, playing instruments and singing uh, uh, Wema Wepa, Wema Wepa, the lion sleeps tonight, you yeah. know, or whatever it might be, you know. Uh, what's the other one? Chapel of Love, going to the yeah. chapel. And we're, you know, people yeah. like those songs, they right? Do. Everybody's singing along. Like I said, you got 30 or 40 people singing along. They got the whole sidewalk block, you know. Yeah. And it, so the people inside are watching this, right? They haven't heard anything. They don't know what song we're singing. All they know is it's craziness outside and everybody's having fun and it's musically based. So, so we were, you know, doing our thing one night and this guy comes walking out of the restaurant. He hadn't seen us perform before he went in. He didn't see us perform, you know, or hear us perform while, while he was in there. He walks out, he drops a hundred dollar bill in the tip jar. And kept on walking. So we got a hundred dollar tip off of just the visual, yeah. just the visual. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was good. That's amazing. It was amazing. You must have been really entertained just watching you know, it. Yeah, amazing. you know, I can imagine what it looks like. Probably like a big <laughs> giant screen you're looking at, you know, because it's, a, it's very animated what what we, we would do, right? Yeah. You know, I think, <laughs> I think like, uh, I think maybe this this goes to it too. Like, anytime, and, and, we'll, and or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this by playing the first song. We're going to play a song here. All right. And, um, cool, and I think this will, will go along with this. But I think, like, All right. um, Anytime, like what, what what we were, I think maybe the core of a lot of it was just we genuinely were having a great time. Absolutely. We were having a ton of fun, whether anybody stopped or not. We were just so happy to be playing, and right. we just loved it. And, and then if, if people wanted to join in, it made it better. And right. I, think, um, I think there's like a – this is going to get – I'm going to get a little heavy, a little deep. But I think like a lot of times you can get – kind of bitter about i think bitter about your life or whatever and and i think with musicians too like if things aren't going the way that you wish they were going um or you don't feel like you're making as much money as you should or life's too hard or all these kind of things like i just think there's no guarantees in life you might not ever make what you think you're going to make or what you think you deserve um your life might end up being a lot shorter than you think it's going to be um and i think but i think you have to Find, be happy with what you got and be thankful for it and have fun and because at least in the, that moment because that's when, when those moments it's like it's it goes hand in hand it's like those moments that you create for other people it literally made their life better and that's absolutely what, that's what and, and like if you hadn't done that their life like and, and and it's the butterfly effect. I mean, I'm not saying like we, you you make. Uh, no, it is. You're right. It, it is. It is the butterfly effect. And the more it is. That people just, you know, take initiative to do things that make life better and more joyful, the more positive everyone's going to be, and it spreads. And it's not like one little butterfly is going to change the world, but like everyone everyone doing it, it has an impact. Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead. I'll interject real quick. Yeah. This is the smartphone age, so everybody's got a video camera true, on their phone, true. right? That's a good point. And, you know, and a lot of people will will shoot video of you and, you know, particularly in a tourist town like I'm in. And you know that they're going home to Minnesota and replaying that song they recorded, maybe even with them singing and performing during it and saying, I had so much fun when I was there. Look what we did. You know, so it just keeps giving and giving and giving. But you're right. And, And this applies not just for street performers, but also for all your your audience that are performers on stage. Fun, energy is contagious. It is. It's contagious. And if you put it out, you know, 
it's probably going to come back. If it doesn't come back, don't let that stop you. Yeah. You got to put it out. That's your obligation. You have got to just put yeah. out a whole lot more than you may think you have to. Yeah. But you 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 owe the audience that. You owe the audience one hundred and ten percent, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other the uh, the inverse can also be contagious so like i think it's a very a very common thing with a lot of songwriters i think a lot of people get into writing songs or performing because they want to express their sadness they feel these feelings and they they're yeah they're you can do that up. too much man you can do too much <laughs> and it, but it's hard like for for songwriters I mean, there was a time where i felt like I'm, i was more in that camp and like people want you to be yeah. upbeat but it's like you don't feel upbeat so how can you be upbeat it's like you feel you feel down and you're focused. Well, you wrote a thing. song. That's how you broke song. out of yeah. that, man. Get, yeah. get, get on, on the upbeat. Up it's up like beat. you challenge yourself. Yeah, and then also, <laughs> it's a great song, man. It's a great you. song. Also, you can just challenge yourself to do it anyway, and even yeah. if you don't feel it, just do it anyway. And what I've found is that people can't really tell the difference. I don't know if that's. Uh, it, I mean, they they can't. Very many times, if you just go there anyway, even if you don't feel it, and you just give hundred and ten percent. People will give you the benefit of the doubt, or they they get into it. They, at least they're inspired by that in some way, and then you then you get there. It like builds, and then you get there, and you get to a really good place, and then you can be. Then all of a sudden, you got people that are happy that you're there, and then you're like, oh, that makes me yep. happy, and then you know it, right. it can build. Um, but I would just want to say, like, to any songwriters that like you get in this sort of rut where you're kind of depressed about life. You got all these negative songs like about expressing, you know, that feeling that you yeah. have that f you feel defines who you are. Well, it's not who you are because when you walk down the street and the sun feels great, you're probably smiling. Like, <laughs> like there's write there's a song a about that. <laughs> write a song about that, and then just put that put the other thing aside for a little bit and just do that, and and bring make that more of of what you're doing as a performance. And when you when you just focus on those things and you focus on the good things because and then they can't control everything and it's like this it is a crazy mess of just tons of different stuff going on and interactions that you can't possibly control. So be grateful you got a functioning body. You can play some music. Yeah. You got some people that are there to listen to you, and then and then in, and spread that joy. Like well, well you know, you're also you're touching on something else. You're yeah. talking on set list. You're talking about set list and song choice. You know. Yeah, if you're a songwriter that only writes depressing ballads, down tempo ballads, it's like, okay, you got a, you got ten of those. What else you got? You got nothing else. Well, then you need to interject in that set list some up tempo other stuff that maybe are covers. Ain't nothing wrong with playing covers, you know. You make a living playing covers, right? Not right, no. Yeah, I, I love covers. I, I, I love to, covers too. And, and that's a whole other thing. I mean, I used to be kind of prejudiced against it because people said to play your own original music, but I just find. Anything you're playing is an expression of yourself. So I think it's Correct. it's an original expression of yourself, even if it's a cover. Like it's the cover's a framework, it's great, but it's like it's an expression of yourself. Yeah. Number one, if you're gonna do a cover, and and this is a whole nother subject matter. I mean, we could talk an hour on this, Noah, but but there's a lot of people down here where I am that go to an open mic, and when they do a cover, they they approach it as how can I sound exactly like the yeah, original? Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. And so those people will criticize you afterwards if you do a cover and you don't try to sound just like the original. Oh, that's not the chord that they used at the beginning of the chorus. Oh, that's not the way the phrasing is. Or you know they'll they'll start nitpicking. But what what I tell them is like you know a cover when you do a cover it's your interpretation of an original. And the first thing you need to do is decide. What's my arrangement? 
first decision. What's the tempo going to be? What's the feel going to be? What's the key going to be? You know, how am I going to structure it? Am I going to structure it the same way it's always been done? Or am I going to mix it up a little bit? You know, and, and to me, that's the fun thing about doing a cover, not trying to sound exactly like the original artist, but saying, this is my version of this. And because I'm doing it, my version, I feel it, you know, and, and that puts a whole new spin on the song. And, and I think that gives the song a new life. And that's that's what an artist should do, not just mimic somebody. All right, we're going to play a song. It's a a, a video. I'm going to do right. You Know My Name. And, and I should also <laughs> mention... I think this is a good one to start with because uh, the, what I want right. to lead into is um, that you're very – a lot of what you do is very theatrical. Yes. And I think a lot of how you write songs and all that, it yes. comes from a theatrical standpoint. I it think does. This song kind of highlights that uh, pretty well. Um, it could be in a play. It could, yeah. A play about – well, you'll figure out who it's about. <laughs> um, but and I also want to say off uh, at the front of this uh, – the technology that I've got, I haven't quite figured out how to put this audio that we're about to play also into Nathan's headphones, so he's not going to be able to hear it. But, and, and that's going to be the same for other songs that we play after, and particularly when we're playing the MP3s. He's just going to be smiling, you know, smiling at you there. So, but he's not going to be able to hear the music. So, <laughs> yeah. So if he's sna not snapping on on tempo, you know, that's what it I'll is. I'll be doing my Carlton dance. <laughs> He'll try to mime. Uh, summon his inner mime uh, and somehow connect. All right, so let's do this thing. Let's. Uh, All right, let's do name. it. There we go. All right. Hey everybody, I'm Nate here with Robbie, and we're gonna do a brand new song that I wrote for you called "You Know My Name." And you have to guess who this song is all about. Well, I'm no good, and you should be very wary of me. I'm no good, and I could be a bad influence on you. I'm a cat, I'm so bad that the Bible warns against me. It's the truth, I'm uncouth, and you should avoid me if you're able. Call me what you choose. Play with me, you lose, yeah. I will bring the blues to you. I follow all my clues. Well, I'm no saint, so I can't be what you hope I could be. I'm a thief, I'll steal everything you have to offer. I'm so bad that I lie. I don't care what's right or wrong. Yeah, it's the truth. I'm uncouth, and you should avoid me if you're able. What's in our name? What's in our myth? Maybe you should pretend that I don't exist. Yeah, right. Don't take that chance. You'll end up in my dance. could be a bad influence on you. I'm a cat. I'm so bad that the Bible warns against me. It's the truth. I'm uncouth and you should avoid me if you're able. Call me what you choose. I'll play with me, you lose. I will bring the blues. 
was a two use. I follow all my clothes. I follow all my clothes. I will make you lose. I will make you lose. Yeah. Yeah, come and check me out at NathanDouglasGo.com. I'll be there waiting for you. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, sir. Let's, you know, cool, man. You know my name. Yeah, you want to talk about this song? Yeah, off the top, I, I just wanted to throw out, uh, you know, one thing that you do a lot of and that brought a ton to the, the street performing uh, is the ad-libs. And like... Yes, I like ad-libbing a lot. That, that, that just did my style. Uh, yeah. was the, um, uh, you'll end up in my dance. Ooh. <laughs> You know, it's like it's. It feels good, but don't do it. Get get away from it. That was a phenomenal ad lib because it's like, uh, and I I don't know that that's so easy to do because you got to be going a lot of places quick in your mind. I mean, maybe it comes naturally to you. Yes, you do. You got to be outside your body, and that's a very dangerous thing to do because you could stay out there and lose something on the way. Yeah, it's it's hard to. That takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Um. There were there were a num- number of different uh, songs we would do uh, busking where um, you would do different ad libs that were that that yeah uh, but anyway um, yeah what so so what yeah we could talk about the song and, and uh, what uh, motivated you to write the song what's it about you said yeah, uh, yeah you know I, I don't sure. want to get too heavy because yeah. it's it's a light song yeah. and it's supposed to be cute you know and I think it's obviously about the devil yeah. right I'm wearing the red tie and everything right? um and, and my philosophy I. You know, I come from a Christian religion, uh, and and I'm I'm basically a Christian. I'm not a practicing Christian, but I, I believe a lot a lot of what is the doctrine, and I believe there is a devil. I mean, you know, I might have just lost some of your audience by saying that, but I believe there is a devil. I think I've run into the devil at least once in my life, and that song is about you can fool yourself into thinking, all you atheists out there. That there is no devil, but I think the devil exists, you know, whether it's a physical thing or whether it's some kind of presence in the universe, and therefore there is evil, and you always have to have your guard up because you never know who you're dealing with sometimes until it's too late. There are evil people out there, obviously, you know, out there. Obviously, there are people who will do you physical harm or financial harm or otherwise, but they're just evil people who like being evil. And they'll take advantage of somebody who is naive and vulnerable. And that, that song is really about you better be careful because, you know, I'm, I'm making you laugh at me right now. But you know what? I'm a bad news guy. You better stay away from me. And, the, and uh, I, I, there was a word. I feel like evil is very sneaky. It can be it can be, it can come yes. in all sorts of different forms. And it's very it's very smart, too. It's not. It doesn't. I think sometimes people think evil is just so plain or, or matter of fact. Right. But it is sharp and brilliant and conniving yeah. and and yeah. So yes. But uh, yeah, I've got uh, two uh, sort of posters that I made, um, like artwork. Yeah. that Have the seven heavenly virtues and also the seven deadly deadly sins. Yeah. I think it goes to what you're saying. Yes. I I, I don't know if I exactly believe in the devil, but I get. I I don't know. I'm not. I would say I'm still pretty open to either. But what I do think is, for me, what I think is real is spirits. I believe in spirits. And I think, like, okay. essentially you can embody the spirits. I'm not I'm not 
I, I don't claim to know whether the devil exists or not, but I, I do think spirits exist. And in, in the sense that I understand that is like you can choose what spirit lives within you and you can let and you Good. can allow those spirits to express themselves. But I think so many times we think so highly of ourselves and we have these intellectual ideas. But really underneath it all, what's what's driving you? What's the motivation? And what yeah. are you really allowing yourself to be committed to um, and uh, allowing to guide uh, your your choices and your actions because there are consequences good. to letting good spirits be uh be what guide you uh, because well bad spirits don't like good spirits too much and they they want to take take those out to uh and and do so in different ways so there's a lot there can right. be a lot they of they're not your friend there can be a lot of suffering and uh, they may pretend to be your friend but you better be careful so, um <laughs> but um all right let's talk about the theatrical aspect to it um like, sure um, I, I guess, yeah, like, uh, what, what, yeah. Let's let, let's talk about it in terms of of maybe a typical audience member for you um, on on this podcast and maybe even beyond, because because you know there's a style or a genre singer songwriter genre right, and so I, I think because I've been to a lot of open mics, you know, fifteen hundred probably by now, going up on two thousand next. Um, and I enjoy open mics, but I see a lot of behavior repeated at open mics. And I think that there's a, a mistake made by a lot of singer-songwriters that they have to conform to a singer-songwriter image, yeah. which is to, you know, which is to say, yeah. what, what am I going to wear? You know, and they all tend to wear similar things, whether they're males or females. There's like a, almost like a yeah, uniform, yeah, yeah. you know. It's real casual, but still it's kind of predictable, right? And then, and then they also... They try to sound like other singer-songwriters, right? And and there's nothing wrong with that when you're starting out because you got to figure out who am I, and particularly if I'm writing songs, you know, how do I find you know my own muse and, and start to write really original songs, not not a, a knockoff version of a popular song. And then how do I try to sound like this is another difficult thing I think for for artists. Uh, performers in general, is finding your own voice. I mean, voice is not only a physical thing coming out of your throat, it's also song choices, uh, songs you've written, how you present them. And I think a lot of singer-songwriters are afraid to, first of all, move their body. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and then um, they're also afraid to, like, fully engage the audience. You know, so I'm performing for you, so you sit there, I sit here, we've got this distance, and it's going to have to stay constant because this is the way it's defined, you know, and, and it, it, it doesn't have to be that way, especially with the new technology where you've got, you know, uh, transmitters and receivers you plug into your guitar and, and uh, wireless microphones, including headsets. You don't have to sit on a stool if you're a singer songwriter and sing your song, particularly if it's, you know, like get on the upbeat, your song, you know, you don't have to sit and sing that you could actually get up and start moving, you know. So, so I think it's cool it's, if singer-songwriters start exploring uh, stage moves, yeah. is what I'll call them, you know? And then they also start exploring some of this other banter with the audience, and then, as you were saying, ad-libs during a song. And, you know, don't take yourself too right. serious. I mean, now. Be, yeah. I, there's usually a room between one line and the next line to say something, like an aside, yeah. and I like to do that. I'm not saying everybody should do that. But, it's, you know, you can, you can really reaffirm your connection with an audience if you make a little joke about your own song in the middle of your own song and it's cool to do that you know you know maybe you just say, say, say something like you know, and you say 
I can't believe I wrote this. But you know, and it's like, oh, the audience, like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's sort of like breaking the fourth wall. You know, it's breaking the structure of the song to make a little aside or a comment, maybe even a comment that somebody in the audience might have made to the person sitting next to them. Mm. But it's sort of like taking the totality of the moment and not saying my role is only this, their role is only that. Those two roles are separate. They can never join. And that's what Buskin teaches you is like, there's no fourth wall. It's everybody's together. We're experiencing this together. You know, you give me energy. I give you energy. It comes back. Let's do this. You know? what, uh, what are some of your favorite performances? Do you have any particular ones that are memorable to you that, that you feel like, uh, uh, yeah. You mean my personal performances? Yeah. Um. We can circle back. Yeah, well, you've got a song uh, there in 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 your your uh, bag that you might play later. Um, it's called "Too White," and it's it's a it's a pseudo rap song. It's like you know, I'm not a rapper. I know I'm not a rapper, but I wrote a song about not being a rapper. You know, um, and every time I perform that song, I've gotten a really positive response. Because people realize it's 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 tongue in cheek and it's supposed to be funny. It's a parody, essentially, a parody of myself, you know. Um, and and that's cool. I, I enjoy performing that song. I've had uh, you know a lot of positive responses. Another song that that you don't have loaded that I that I was shocked when somebody came up and told me how much they liked it uh, was a song called "Dead Cat." <laughs> I was walking. I, I was out one. on a walk in the morning one yeah. day, and yeah, you know this. Yeah. Stuff. And I and I uh, I came across this cat that was just laying on the lawn, and I thought it was sleeping out there. Right, it was early in the morning, and the cat was dead. And so I went home and wrote a song about it called "Dead Cat," uh, and it's a jazz song essentially, is what it is, you know. And it's it's just out there, it's way out there, you know. And then somebody come out and tell you, "Oh, it looks like I lost." So, I lost it. Okay. Yeah, that was me. I accidentally hit my USB. Oh, okay. And so this woman comes up to me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm there that night, and she comes up to me before I've gone on stage at an open mic, and she says, oh, you're here. Yes, I'm here. You know, I don't know who she is. And she says, oh, I brought my husband with me. Okay. Uh, now, remember, I don't have a band. I'm just some crazy old songwriter guy that goes to open mics. That's all I am. You know, I don't have a following. I don't have a fan base. Group. She says, oh, are you going to do Dead Cat? <laughs> She said, are you going to do Dead Cat? I said, you know Dead Cat? She said, yeah, it's my favorite song. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, Dead Cat connected with somebody? I can't believe it. Because most people up there, she's a cat lover. It's like, oh, it's a dead cat. It's so sad. But she loved Dead Cat. So I sure, I, I changed the song I was going to sing that night, and I sang Dead Cat. <laughs> you never know, oh, man. You man. never know. Yeah. You just can't predict what? Like. Not, yeah, like, so Dead Cat was yeah. cool. Yeah, I also did a performance one time. I was I was featuring at an open mic at Rebel Bite, oh, which man. is no longer existent. Shy but Fly was the host, nice. and I put together a band for that. And we did Alley Cats, which you know I'm writing like songs about cats, and I don't even like cats, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's Alley Cats, and it's about you know casual sex is what it ends up being. You know, people acting like they're Alley Cats, got no morals out there, picking each other up and having sex in the alley um and and we did that and uh and so i had come up with this little this little dance that i you know you were talking about stage theatrics i came up with this little dance that looked like cats dancing and i went out into the audience and i was doing the dance and there were a bunch of comedians there that night you know at the open mic and everybody got behind me in a conga line and we're doing 
uh, Alley Cat. You were doing this song, Alley Cat, you know, and I'm walking through and they're all following me and they're all singing it and the band's playing. Cause that's like, that great. was a nice, cause I didn't see that coming. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That that's a, that's a trip. That's that's really fun to think of all the comedians. Cause I, I know some of those comedians too. And just, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, were there that night. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And then the, uh, the dead cat on the lawn, that is, uh, <laughs> like that's yeah, one of those things yeah. like you couldn't have ever like if you imagined that you could have been in like one thousand universes that never would have happened right i don't i mean right. nothing against like the song it's an interesting song but it's definitely no, no, it's no, definitely it, it makes no sense it, it makes no it's sense right. that song and she would request it and yeah. she was even excited about it yeah. i mean it's amazing uh, yeah, but you you know you experience that all the time. You go out when you're singing your originals. People realize, holy cow, this guy not only can sing and play well, he writes great songs. You know, and then they get your album, they realize, oh, he writes a lot of great songs. Yeah. You know, people people discover that and they experience that, and that's the joy I think of songwriting. You know, to be able to create your own material and, and to pass it along to people and to see them react to it in positive ways. Yeah, I'm hit. I'm hitting like a stage where. I've been playing, it's weird, like I, I've been playing um, originals or I've been playing songs, you know, so much for so long at this point that it, you kind of don't relate to them the same way anymore. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you're, you're right. You, it, it's more like a, it is a framework. And even my own songs, I kind of look at them as that more. It's like, okay, this is a, it's a tool. It's a tool. I've got this tool. This is kind of the vein that it's in. It yes. kind of has this emotion. And, and, and so if I see the right opportunity for that, maybe I'll do that one. But it's not like I'm feeling so, you know, overwhelmed with emotion. I have to do this song. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm so sad about this. And, and I yeah, we've talked it. about that before. Is how, yeah. do you, how do you get back in touch with the original emotion that under, yeah. underpinned the writing of the song? Yeah. Um, and uh, I just recently performed a song that was the first time I performed it, I cried. You know, a song I wrote yeah. was about a, a friend of mine who committed suicide. Um, and you you did the demo for it. It's called Better This Way. Um, and that's actually on my Facebook page, uh, a perfor that performance. Um, and so the difference is now, seven or eight years later after I wrote it, is when I perform it, I don't struggle, co you know, controlling my emotions. I can sing it without crying. It still affects me, you know, and I can still tap into the original intent behind the song. But it's in, inevitable that it's going to change if you if there's time has passed and you performed a song a number of times, but you just have to to never lose focus, you know, and to try as best you can to reconnect with the emotional underpinning of the yeah. song. When, when you do big picture, right, and I and I know you know big picture probably had an emotional underpinning when you first yeah. wrote it, but big picture is just a great song. And the, and those those notes you hit on, you know, big picture, got it. You know, the, that is just so powerful. It, I still get chills when I hear that song, man. You know, I got chills the first time you you played it that I heard it, and it was like, damn, that's a great song. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think the songs themselves will carry you through it. You know, if you let if you let the song carry you, you know, it's like it's almost like you're not really singing the song. The song is using you to sing it. You know. And I think you have to you have to always uh, yeah. focus on that, even though you've done the song a hundred times. Um, you, you've got to be able to find something there that still pushes you to to put out the hundred and ten percent on that song. Yeah. So, like, I'm I'm reaching a point where, like, I I uh, I can push if I if I'm going to do big picture, I can I I, I right. know, you know note like the back of my hand, I can push out right. to one hundred and ten percent. 
but I'm not necessarily yes. always connected. Like my life isn't exactly that, you know, what it was, yeah. what it was when I made that song, it's pretty different now. And my, right. my priorities are different or just my kind of my mode of being is maybe different. And, and so, and also I'm pursuing music more as a way to put, to put food on the table. And, um, and so I'm more thinking of it from that perspective of like, what do I need to do sure. to keep, to get the job security or get another gig to make sure people are taken care of. It's a really good way to think about things because it does make you way more conscientious of everyone that's there. And so you're not just thinking about, yeah. I got to emote and, you know, make sure that, you know, you're thinking about, okay, no, if I'm, if I'm being too loud, I need to be aware of that because that's impacting these people negatively. And so I need to make sure that this, that there's pleasing sounds going to their ears so that they're having a good time because their experience of the event. Yeah, you're aware of the big <laughs> picture, man. Yeah. So that's how I can But you know, what, to it. what but, you're also pointing yeah. out is, is you're talking about interpret, you know, you're basically when, when you, when you sing your own original years later, let's say you're covering yourself. You're doing yes. a cover of your yes. original. Think yes. of it that way. And so whatever applied when you wrote it, you're saying doesn't apply anymore. I agree with that. But but you approach it as if you were doing a cover of somebody else's song. You're saying, okay, what's my entry point for this song? How can I relate to this song? And it may be, and that's the beauty of songwriting, particularly if you write with ambiguous lyrics, is people can interpret them the way they want to yeah. interpret them. And it's okay if, you know, the big picture the metaphor means something different to you now than it did then. It still means something to you. And so when you hit those big notes, you putting something behind it that's based on big picture. I got to feed my family. Big picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you find different ways to relate to it. But it, it's um, it's uh, I, I think what I what I'm maybe coming full circle about, because at the beginning, it was like super easy when I first started, even if I wasn't as good as I am now, it was really easy to connect with people because I was so emotionally into the music that it was just everything was colored by that, or like my every bit of my expression and all that. But eventually, you know, when you do something so many times and it becomes routine or more routine, you know, you can't get to that place every single gig. It's just like, it's not, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be that way. But what, what maybe you can do is have a disposition of, you want to be there to be a positive, uh, you know, effect or yes. be a positive impact on it as many people as you can be in whatever way they need you to be and you're literally there to serve and you just try to express the song to the best of your ability and then look for how you feel like it's impacting people and then offer them more of that try to give them something um, right. because you can't tap in i mean i don't know maybe you can find new ways i think that's maybe the purpose of writing new songs to a to a degree is to as you as okay you as you change you know you find new ways but even the same like great songs you know, can maybe be with you. Well, there's different types of great songs, but I say there are, there's a certain category of great song that you can relate to for long stretches of time. It's applicable through every stage of your life. And it's just, it relates to you in a new way. I, yeah. I'll give you an example. I'm not a big Elton John okay. fan, but uh, Bernie Taupin uh, was his lyricist, right? And don't get me started about lyricists, but uh, anyway, Bernie Taupin uh, wrote the lyrics to the song. You know that song? Uh, it's a little yeah. bit funny, this feeling inside. I sat on the roof and all that stuff, you know. So he's he's talking about writing a song for a person. So it's it's he's really talking about his process, you know. In this case, he sat on a roof and that's when it came to him and that's when he wrote it and he was having trouble with the verse and, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. 
So um, that song is kind of self-serving, you know, but but that's a great song, you know, and it holds up well. And I think it's easy for a songwriter to do a cover of that because you can relate to, to his process, you know. That's, that was his process. I understand that, you know. And and ultimately, he was writing a song to a, a, a woman. You know, I can't remember if, what color your eyes are, but, you know, the, the thing is, it's very conversational to that particular set of lyrics. Very con- I like conversational lyrics. And um, so I think, yeah, you, you, you know, it, it had its beginning and, you know, whatever Elton John was interpreting it to be. I mean, it's funny he's singing a song about writing the song that he didn't really write. He wrote the melody, but he didn't write the lyrics. It's kind of funny when you think about it. It's like Hal David and Burt Bacharach. Hal David was uh, Burt Bacharach's lyricist, right? So everybody talks about, oh, that's a Burt ba- all the Dion Warwick songs. Oh, that's a Burt Bacharach song. No, no, that's a Hal David song. You know, if you're a songwriter, it's like, no, that's a Hal David song. Because do you want know the way to San Jose? I've been away so long. I might get lost and lose my way. That's why people remember the song is, 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 is do you know the way to San Jose? You know, and all the stars that never were are parking cars and pumping gas. It's Hollywood, that's L.A., man. He nailed it in that, that line right there. All the stars who never were are parking cars and pumping gas. You know, that's the reality of people who come to L.A. Uh, seeking fame. You end up parking cars and pumping gas and then going back. And, you know, and that's a great song, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's the lyrics that make the song great. That's all I will say. <laughs> well, let's let's um, let's let's play another. Yeah, well, I got a set of lyrics. Watch, I, I got a request, a special yeah. request from one of Nathan's biggest fans. Yeah. Uh, can you play Too White? Yeah, which is me, all about the lyric. Let me pull it up here. I I didn't cue uh, it up, but I, I yeah I sent him a yeah. I sent him a, a, a an MP3 of this in an email. So hopefully a rap song, and it's done. Who's a rapper? Uh, happens to be a Caucasian rapper out here in in Long Beach. He's probably insulted by the lyrics, but he. He helped me out with this. He he built the track and uh, and he also did some singing in the background and, and we pulled some effects and stuff. So it's it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be fun and it's about uh, it's about rapping and it, you know it's got nothing to do with anybody but me. But <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> pull it up here. Almost got it. All right. Almost got it. Desktop. All right. All you go through to make this happen, Noah. I know that this is a technological challenge ongoing, and, and it's great, like you say, that we can be on opposite sides of the country and, and doing this simultaneously. It's really cool. A little bit. Cause that's how I fit in the world. I'm not a player. I'm not a thug. Never been in jail, so they don't have a mug shot of me or a fingerprint. I'm the one who earned the money I spent. Not from the ghetto, from the cul de sac. Never done a stick up. Hey, ain't nobody got my back. Still use words like cool and nifty. When the sun comes out, my SPF is 50. Too white, too white, too white to rap. Too white, too white, too white to rap. Yeah, it always comes out stupid and it sounds like crap. Too white, too white, too white, too white. Drive a 
stripped down Camry cause the mileage is good and the white paint job fits my neighborhood. Working nine to five just to stay alive. Yeah, waiting for the donuts to finally arrive. Date a woman at work, but we keep it down low. Watch Netflix at night and we're taking it slow. Word to my missy, hey, who call me sissy? Just because a man can't rap, why are you so pissy? Too white, too white, too white to rap. Too white, too white, too white to rap. Yeah, my middle class childhood is my handicap. Why you wanna hate? Give a brother love. Show me that my rapping skills you can rise above. Why you wanna hate? Give him and respect. I can't help it if I'm not politically correct. I don't go clubbing, but I'm not flubbing on my child support. All the basketball court where I can drain a three. If they could only see my skills on display, but they won't let me play. Hell, maybe I should sing some oldies tunes about falling in love underneath the moon. Cause there ain't no power. I wanna fight. Yeah, life is pretty good when you're too white. Too white, too white, too white to rap. Too white, too white, too white to rap. Yeah, my middle class childhood is my handicap. Comments about that song. So uh the the preface, and I think I tag it at the end. Um, ain't got a care, got a care in the world, ain't got a care in the world. Love being square, being square in the world, cause that's how I fit in the world. You know, I, I think a lot of people don't let themselves be themselves, they're trying to be something else, you know. And uh, I think it's important that artists, uh, we've, you've you know, I've had many conversations about authenticity, you know, and authenticity can be something as literal and as extreme as, well, you can't really write a song about something you haven't lived. And you and I used to sort of discuss that vigorously. Um, but authenticity is also about, you know, your legitimate voice, your legitimate sound, your le legitimate style, you know. And I just saw this movie, Elvis, right? And, uh, you know, so it's a it's a docudrama, essentially. So you don't know how much of it is actually true. But but, you know, here's Elvis, early Elvis, you know, wearing all these flashy clothes. And, and when he gets on, nobody else is doing um, and, and that, you know, he was being himself. And at some critical point in the movie, he, he goes against his manager, Tom Parker. And uh, won't do a Christmas song that Tom Parker was making him do. And he goes out there and he does something else, you know, because that was who he, Elvis, really was. He didn't want to be this other thing that, that the manager was trying to make him be or that the public in some uh, sections was trying to make him be. I think it's really important for an artist to figure out who am I, what's my voice, you know, what's my style, what's my look, whatever. Those are all acts of creativity. You create you create who you are. Yeah, you know, you are who you are from your uh, heredity and your upbringing. But at some point, you get to, like, 
add on to that and yeah. become who who you want to be or who you really are. And then the, the truer you are to yourself, I mean, it shows in what you do uh, in, the, in your performances and in, in your songwriting. And I think that's really important. The other thing I'll say about that song, because uh, it's just supposed to be fun. It's, you know, it's, it's not that deep. But uh, I go, um, not from the ghetto, from the cul-de-sac. Uh, never done a stick up. Hey, ain't nobody got my back. And, and Bert, uh, Buck Bowen and I fought about that line because it didn't fit the meter of the song. Uh, not from the ghetto, from the call, the sack. Oh, wait, wait. Not from the ghetto, from the call, the sack. Never done a stick up, hey, ain't nobody got, you know, it won't fit. Right, right, it just right. doesn't fit the meter. Yeah. But I wanted to say that. And it's like, no, we're going to do this and I'll make it fit yeah. somehow. Not from the ghetto, from the call, the sack. Never done a stick up, hey, ain't nobody got my back still. Use words like me. And so that's the way I did it. It was an aside. It's what we were talking about earlier in our conversation. Yeah. I threw in an aside. It just happened to be over the top of a line, you know? And I think, yeah, that's not correct. You know, a jazz band of players is like, whoa, man, that's wrong, man. You, you got to change that. No, I'm not going to change that. That's who I am. That's what I want to say right now during this song. And I'm not going to make it fit just so you feel better and comfortable, you know? Yeah. And so... So, you know, they say when you're a singer and you're singing with the band, the band's supposed to follow the singer. But you'll be be singing in front of some bands and they like want to force you into their arrangement. It's like, no, no, you got to go with me right now. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm going to do something completely off the script. Maybe I'm going to squeeze it in. I'm pushing my phrases. I'm going to pull my phrases. Don't panic, you know. Yeah. I'll get back to where we're supposed to be. But you got to let me flow like that because that's what I'm feeling right now while I'm performing. Yeah. I was, I'm blanking out. I think I drank a little bit. This beer, I don't drink very often at all. And what kind uh, of beer is that? It's a, a Guinness. Uh, oh, okay. Is it dark beer? Uh, is it? I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody out there can tell me. It's like a Guinness, Guinness stout, stout is dark. It's a stout. Yeah, that's that's a Jamaican. They drink that down. The reggae guys drink that oh, down in Jamaica. That. I don't know oh yeah, that's their that's their favorite drink. Guinness. Um. Okay, can you say the the end of I know this is like pretty well. Can you say the end of what you just said again? There was something that that I, that I was tapping onto that I wanted to follow up on it, and then it just left me. I right talked about uh, being true to yourself, and uh, and then also when you're singing, a band wanting you to conform to their expectations rather than following your lead as a singer or or a front man. What I was going to no, say you, is your like, own, your own band is fighting you. You know, I mean, is it um that's kind of to an extent maybe what practice what practice is like um sure you sure you, um you find what, what i've found to be when i'm learning a new song or writing a new song part of it is just doing it enough times that you find good ways where you feel that you're expressing yourself properly you know what i mean like where yes. where nothing feels like you're expressing something that you don't you wouldn't really stand behind where right once, right once you've got all the different sound you know you've you figured out how you can make sounds that it feels like you're really expressing yourself well, then then you've, you're ready. You're really ready. How does that strike you? Does that sound? Yeah, I'll so. give you another example. It's going to come from out of left field here. Mm. There's a song by uh, Hank Williams, which is a country classic called "Hey Good Looking." You used to sing it with Robbie, yeah. and me, right? Hey, good looking. What you good got cooking? cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? I said, Hey, sweet baby. Now the way I sing that is the way you just heard it. I mean, to me, if you're going to sing that song, it's got to sound country. It's got to sound Southern, really. You know, it's got to be a little bit of accent in the in the way you go. Hey, good looking, good looking, good looking. It's not, hey, good looking. 
is hey good looking yeah but i know i won't name any names here but i know a, a, a small group that sings that song and every time i hear them hear them sing that song it drives me up the wall because they don't get it they just don't get the song you know it's like it's a fun, fun that you know has its roots not in southern california you know you gotta like ship gears for this I, I one know, you know I'm going to throw, I'm going to, I know the, exactly. the lyric is I'm going to, I'm going to throw my date book over the fence. Well, the way you sing that is I'm going to throw my date book over the fence. Buy me one for five or 10 cents. I'll keep it till it's covered with age. Cause I'm writing your name down on every, you know, and you get theatrical at that point. Cause I'm writing your name. Yeah, that's yeah. a, that's a line you can emphasize theatrically, but you know, that it's right over their head. <laughs> I know. Hope they're not watching I know this. Exactly who you're talking Sorry. about. Sorry, and uh, you know what I'm talking and, about. And they won't do. They won't do it any other way, though. I think that's. But I yeah. see. I think. Uh, I think you're. You have it so strong in your head. The way this is one of those things, which, which. Oh I feel, yeah, I'm very. Yeah, you're very on, on this. On this I'm telling. And uh, and maybe, maybe other ones too, but this one. Uh, but you're doing. Yeah. What, I think you're doing what you would say. Other people. What we literally covered earlier in this podcast, where you were saying that. You know, you can perform it which way you want, <laughs> but not this song, not for you. No, no, I, I, you're right, you're right. But let, let me yeah, yeah. let me clarify. There's, you know, let's say there's a hundred different ways to perform whatever yeah. song, you know, and there and there was the original way that whoever performed it performed. There are there are other good options, good choices one can make, and then there's like mediocre choices, you know, or like yeah. lousy choices. Yeah, now I'm just saying. That, that when people go in to interpret a song, their own or somebody else's song, yeah. is they really need to think about why they're doing what they're doing, you know, and whether it's really working. God knows these days you can record yourself and to include yeah. visuals. You should, you should like critique yourself and say, you know, this just doesn't feel right. This just doesn't look right. I'm not really sure I'm, I'm got it yet, you know? And then you, and then you figure out who's the character that I should say that, please, everybody who's performing songs and singing lyrics, you have to assume the character that the lyrics define. And in that case, back to my point, that character is a guy that drives a pickup truck, right? It also is a guy that drove a pickup truck back in the 40s, the 1940s. So that that's who you're singing about, and, and that's who's singing that song, you know? What if he's um, driving a pickup uh, in Hawaii? No. <laughs> he doesn't drive they, they, he wouldn't have gone down and spent two dollars and been able to buy drinks and have everything. No, that wouldn't have happened in Hawaii, man. But you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> Maybe in Tennessee. <laughs> I think. I think. But I yeah, think for the the uh, performers or the the uh, yeah the performers that you're you're thinking or you're talking about, they kind of have a certain mode, you know. And I don't think they'd be able to do it any other way. You know what I mean? Like they've kind of got their. That's the same way. The way they move through that song, they move through. They do that with every single song, you know. No, I mean? it's 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 a it's a process, process. that yeah. repeats. Yeah. Every, yeah, but I'm I'm just saying to encourage yeah. anybody out there who's either singing covers and or originals, yeah. is to really think through about the song you're singing and what the lyrics yeah, yeah. mean, who the character yeah. is that's singing it. Uh, Stand by your man. Um, I've sung that. It's a Tam yeah, it's a Tammy yeah. Wynette song, but you you know a guy can sing it. I I sang um at a karaoke. I've sang it more than once, but I sang it this past week. I sang "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." by Cindy Lauper, right? 
And so, so somebody uh, who's not really paying attention to what's going on might say, oh, man, you shouldn't be singing that song. You know, I changed the lyrics, so I'm like, like a narrator talking about this girl who comes home and his, her father says, you, you got to change your life. You got to live your life right. And his mo her mother's giving her criticism because, and she's just saying, but girls just want to have fun, right? So, so the interesting thing about that song is a guy wrote that mm. song. A guy wrote that song. And she discovered the song, Cindy Lauper, and then she, you know, made some slight adaptations of it. And then she had the big hit. So everybody assumed yeah. Cindy Lauper wrote that whole song. Uh -huh. She didn't. So, you know, I think guys have freedom to, to sing songs that women yeah. sound, sing. I think you should change the lyric to, you know, fit your gender. Let's don't get into that discussion. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, who's the character and what are they singing about? What's the song about? God, please pay attention to what the lyrics are in a song. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of singers... Uh, uh, performers don't pay any attention to the lyrics. I've, I've had musicians tell me they're not even interested in the lyrics. They're like, they think they're things that get away, you know, get in the way. It's like, no, lyrics are really important. Yeah. I, I, I change, I, I, I uh, change, you know, if, if a song was written from a female perspective, right. know, or there's a number of songs that I do where I'll change it. Sometimes I leave it. Sometimes it's kind of weird to change it. Sometimes it's like, it's so. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta pick and choose. And, and it's like, okay, you, you know, I'm not, it's not i'm not really singing it becomes if i'm calling myself a female or something it becomes uh you know the listener knows that i'm not singing the song about myself right. it's more i'm just doing an ode to the song and saying this is a song we all know and love and i'm i'm showing respect to the song or something that's more what it becomes. yeah 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 let's let's play yeah. another another song or two um I, I could i'll just name out the ones that i've got um you know, queued up. I'll sure. tell you which one I'd okay. like to hear next. I already know. I'd like to do uh, Hey Frenchie, which is what one that you and I okay. did together. Could you bring that up? I can't because, I mean, I could bring it up. Um, I, I downloaded. Are you in the I MP3 right now? Of, of Rats and You Know My Name. And then I didn't get. Oh, it's Rats. Get, okay, well, Rats is good. You want, you want to get the what thing? Is that what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do Rats. Okay, here we go. We got. So this is an ad lib that Noah did during the uh, recording well, of this. Rats, is, Rats doesn't have it. That, hey, Frenchie's the one that has that. Oh, it's the other one. You're right. But Okay, but you can check it out on, on his YouTube channel. So uh, right. search Nathan Douglas. Is there is it just Nathan Douglas well, on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, you, I think the easiest way for everybody, if they're really interested in following yeah. up, is going to my website, NathanDouglasGo.com. Click on Songs. And most all of the songs that I've done demos are there. And if you scroll to the bottom, NathanDouglasGo.com songs, all the way at the bottom is a link to the a YouTube channel. And there's another 30 plus songs okay. over there. So this one's called Rats. And I got to do some of the, all right. the guitar work on this one. All right, all right. Hey, everybody, it's Nate again. Today I'm joined by Noah. Yeah, fresh face. We're going to do a brand new song I wrote called Rats, but you know what? It's not really about rats, Noah. It's a metaphor. So that means it's about something else. So you need to figure out what it's about, because I ain't going to tell you. Let's do it. Just ask the rats, they'll tell you where the best garbage is anywhere cause rats always know the best place to go just as the rats they'll tell you so just as the rats then hear them scat rat-a-tat rat-a-tat tat-tat-tat just ask the rats just ask the rats they will tell you where it's at 
Just ask the rats, they'll let you know the dirtiest stuff and where to go, cause rats always find the smelliest kind of garbage there is left behind. Just ask the rats, then hear them scat. Here it comes. Rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat, tat-tat-tat. Just ask the rats, just ask the rats. They will tell you where it's at. Yeah, rats, they find all this rotten, all this should be trash. Well, rats are always looking for it. Rats, they love that trash. Ask the rats, then hear them scat. Rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat, tat-tat-tat. Just ask the rats, just ask the rats. They will tell you where it's at. Rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat, tat-tat-tat. Yeah. Yeah, come and see me at NathanDouglasGo.com. I'll be waiting for you. Solid. Right on. So I want to take this opportunity to give you a shout out. You know, you and I have worked together for years and and our process is I bring in a lyric sheet that has the uh, melody notes annotated and uh, the, uh, you know, the basic chords. And then you and I start playing, you know, you start playing it on the guitar and I start singing along and then we come up with an arrangement. And you're very creative um, and you're very skilled. And that process for us generally takes to figure out the arrangement 20 to 30 minutes. And at that point, we start recording. Uh, and then, you know, we usually are able to record it within the next hour. Um, and, and that is unusual. Um, and I, I just would say to anybody out there that, that wants to record their songs, go to Noah because you know he can do all you need to get done. Plus, he's very creative, and he can make your song better than it was when it came in the door. So, at the Grove, must yeah, at the Grove, man. Much respect to you. Um, and you and you're an all genre guy too. I mean, you've done uh, one of the ones I was going to send you was Future Girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we've done disco stuff and 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 really out there stuff um, that doesn't even have a genre. Uh, Emilio uh, was about a guy who had a cable access show, you know, and we came up with all kinds of like carnival sounds and and and, and stuff to make it sound like it was really hokey. And yeah. there's just so many examples. I encourage everybody to go check out at the website, NathanDouglasGo.com and see all of these things that Noah has helped me create. Um, and it's just amazing what you're able to do. You, you're a quick study, man. And, and of course, you and I have been doing this so so long. We're like a married couple. We can read each other's thoughts, and that certainly helps. But yeah, from the get-go, I mean, even early on when we were just starting out, it was clear to me that we were on the same wavelength, and I appreciate that. Um, we should also throw a shout out to to Eddie Booz who did the, Eddie Booz. Videos, uh, those two videos that we've shown were filmed at Eddie Booz's studio. Um, that's and right. So he's 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 still in Long. I know he he went to like he, the Midwest or something. For I, I think he I think he's in both he's in places, both, yeah. but he's still in uh, in uh, Lakewood. Um, and Eddie is also very highly skilled, very creative. Um, and yeah, I've done a lot of demos with Eddie as well. So um, I think it's good it's good for people uh, to work with different people because it gives them a diff uh, you know another perspective on what it is they're doing. 
Um, and generally speaking, if you're with competent people, they will make you better. You also get different sounds. You know? Like uh, recently yes. we, we um, worked on Steel Beach Postcard, which is Nathan's right. latest album. And it was kind of a – there it is. Check it out. Yeah. So th this is kind of like, uh, I think in your words, your love letter to Steel Beach. Uh, or to, to, yes, uh, it is. To, to sort of, and sort of to Long Beach, to sort of to the area overall. No, but, yeah, but, yeah, it's uh, inclusive. Particularly to Steel Beach. Um, and I, I got to do the mastering for this project, and it involved a number of different songs that came from different, uh, different engineers and different studios. And, and you notice, too, like when you work with different engineers, everyone kind of has a sound, and they sort of create um, a, a certain – you tend to get the same result. Which is kind of an actually that could be a, a sign, uh, at least of, of some kind of good quality of a studio that they have a consistent result. But I think like people, yeah. just like you sort of create, you know, as a songwriter or as as an as an instrumentalist or musician, you kind of over time find your sound, you create it. It's mm -hmm. just, you try to create what you like, and then and then you get this sort of consistent result. Same thing happens with engineering and, and recording. And so that that is maybe right. to tag on to your point of working with other uh, studios is you might find that they produce and they achieve a sound that's more fitting for what you're what you're doing because um, it fla they flavor it they flavor it a little bit whatever studio you work with it has a little bit of uh, their own flavoring in terms of the free the frequency Whoa, they can we can we talk a couple of horror stories yeah, about studios while sure. we're here horror story time I'll tell one and you tell the okay. other okay so I go into this studio. Uh, with a sound engineer who shall remain nameless, definitely technically skilled. And, and we record this song, and I had hired a bunch of musicians to come in. It's the most expensive demo I ever did. We won't say how much it was, but it was a lot of money. And I included two female uh, back, backup singers. And so, uh, you know, everybody, we've recorded it, we've got all the tracks laid down, and we're mixing it, right? And, and we, so we're sitting there mixing this thing, and uh, I realized that he's got it, the sound engineer's got it mixed to, you know, his, his uh, satisfaction. And so I said to him, I said, I can't hear the female background singer. And he goes like, what? <laughs> I can't hear the female background singers. You need to bring them up in the mix. And he begrudgingly did it. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not a sound engineer. I haven't gone through all of what he went through, including schooling and experience, but that's like, 101 level stuff. Why do you think I have background singers and I'm not going to hear them? Are you nuts? Now you tell your story. Uh, wait, wait, like of any of any recording. I like the story about you had finished the album and something happened. Yeah. Uh, well. Shall remain nameless. Yeah, just that um, the there was a technical issue with with um, the memory or the with the computer that caused the loss of of everything, yeah. So that that was pretty bad. So he's being very polite, folks. That was pilot era. It, well, I don't know. If he, <laughs> Made a mistake there. I think it was one of those things that it can't it can't really like you can't really control whether or not your computer freezes. You know, it just. Uh, I mean, you can no. Well, here's 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 the point I would make, and yeah, we we should be careful what we say here because it could be interpreted as a slander. But it seems to me, again, I'm not a professional sound engineer, but it seems to me as you finish a song, you should save that song somewhere external yeah, to the computer. But I, 
And you should yeah. do that each time you finish a yeah. song. And then, so yeah, if at some point when you've already got 20 songs in the can and all of a sudden you haven't saved any of them and the yeah. computer crashes and you've lost, you know, a week or two worth, worth of work. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. So I guess, yeah. So that's what I would advise people. When you go in there to a system, don't be intimidated to a, to a studio. Don't be intimidated by, you know, the producer or the sound engineer. Keep your, your thinking cap on and always be sure that they're saving stuff and that they're giving you the sound you want, not the sound they want. Good advice. Um, I think uh, I also I'll throw out too. I, th I mean that that experience for me uh, shifted me into being more focused on doing my own recording because I just right. thought it, you can you can invest a lot of money and it can really not work out. Um, and so right. uh, I started just focusing more on my own own recording. And and what I found like, you know, you don't like for most people. That if you're a new artist or you're wanting to get into it or whatever, it's not like you have to have the best recording that ever was. Like most of the people, most right. of your friends and family or whatever that are listening, they're not going to be judging it based on like, oh, you know, the the high end is so crystal clear. It's like they're going to, they're just not. So that it's not. It's technically it's, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, and I think you can achieve a lot with not a, with, with, you can achieve a lot with not a lot. Like you don't, if you buy a Macintosh computer, it comes with GarageBand. GarageBand works. Like you don't need to use, get anything other than GarageBand. Yep. Um, I use Logic Pro. Particularly if you're just a singer-songwriter yeah. playing acoustic yeah. guitar and that's the, your basic you sound, get, you don't need you a whole lot of frills. You can, get a, you can get a really solid recording. Hell, I just recorded uh, for, for a client that, that uh, hired me to produce lyrics that she wrote for her book. She, she hired me to produce the lyrics into a song and I sent her a recording. I, I played this. I figured out an arrangement, played it through seven times. The seventh one, I recorded all, all the takes on my iPhone, just sitting in front of me. And then I sent her to the seventh one just to kind of give her an example of, okay, this is the direction I'm heading. You know, do you, you want to still work with me? Is this some right. figuring, you know, she wouldn't want to use the iPhone recording. She loved it. It's like the iPhone recording was pretty clear. It's like, okay, it's not perfect. It's not like it, it's a, it was a little, um, I don't know, like sharp, a little bit sharp, but not that bad where it's like making you want to not listen to it. It's just a little bit sharp. And so it's workable. And, and it actually ended up sounding, it got a certain sound that for her, it made her feel like she was in the room listening to the, which, which really right. fit the scene. Cause the scene was a boyfriend, like in the bedroom, sitting on the bed, playing his guitar and singing, singing to the sure. girl. And then, um, so this uh, iPhone recording made it feel like maybe that's, literally with what you got the, the, the iphone was there and in the room and it captured the recording yeah and so she loved it and so i ended up doing a higher ended producer i used my studio gear with my nice microphone and, and nice guitar to actually capture really clean clear audio new new rendition of it and she almost uh, i mean i think she didn't say this but i think she preferred the iphone version and so I, that yeah, sent she might have her both because she wanted she we, we clearly she wanted both. So, yeah, um, I just think that all that, that goes to show that it, you don't need all that. You can learn. Shout out to Tremaine Taylor, who's producing his own on content here locally. He's an R&B right. singer, kind of uh, retro. He and, and he's getting some nice, clean mixes on not like he's not got just swimming in state-of-the-art gear so you can do it yourself uh and i guess i'm kind of vamping on this or venting on this because i just saw an engineer locally here 
post on Facebook or something that um, he said, st- don't record yourself. Uh, and, he, and he had some complaint um, about that people recording themselves make this stupid this stupid mistake or silly mistake. And he said, get, get a pro to do it. And I'm like, okay, I just think that's the wrong advice. You can do it yourself. Um, if you really want to work with somebody like that, I think spend some time getting to know them, do your research. I, I think uh, you really got to know that they're going to do a great job. They're going to be focused. It's It's got a place, but you can do it yourself, and you can get a really usable result yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we, can, we, we ought to talk about something here. This is really important. Um, I mean, we, we all have to decide what is, it we're, what is it we're doing and why are we doing it. And, and and if there is an end game, what is the end game? And I and, and I would guess that most people would love the end game to be, oh, I'm going to become famous and successful and known all over the world, and my songs will be sung and heard all over the world. And and that's great. But but what if that doesn't happen? Because yeah, the odds are that's probably not going to happen. But you know, what if that doesn't happen? Uh, what what? what would be success? You know, how can you define success at a level less than that? And what is that level? Um, And I think that that's an important thing for people to realize. For me, being a retired guy, you know, and coming to this late in the game is I don't have any of those kind of really high aspirations. Yes, I'd like for at least one of my songs to be recorded commercially and for it to become a hit. That would be great, you know, but but the odds are that's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that I should stop writing songs or stop producing demos or stop performing songs or other things. Because it brings me joy. And then I see in an audience that I'm bringing them joy, you know? And there's a lot to be said for spreading joy through music, my philosophy. You know, there's a lot to be said for that. And that's, you know, in a case of having to feed your family, you're, you're a successful gigging musician where you are. That's pretty damn good, you know, to be able to be making a living as a musician. And yeah, if something else comes, that would be great. But, you know, be satisfied with where you are and what you've got. And then to say to somebody, okay, you got to save up ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars and come into a Hollywood studio to produce your song so that it is ready for the radio or whatever they call it now. And then the odds are it's not going to go anywhere anyway, you know. And you're and now you're twenty or thirty thousand dollars in the hole. Whereas if you record it at a lower level, whether that's you know in a in somebody's garage studio or whatever, or you record it yourself, get it out, get it, get a version of it, because. Because if you get picked up by some big entity, excuse me, you get picked up by some big entity, they're going to take you into a studio right. and re-record right. it then anyway. You, then you can, when you have that support behind you, then you can do it and then and fine. And then there's right. a, there's a reason to do it too because they're going to put your name on the billboards or whatever, and they're going to connect you. Yes, so that, that that game plan's yes. already in, in effect. But for now, it's like right. you're you have your you know your audience can't finance that probably. So it's like, and they're not they're probably not going to. And it's just not and it's not necessary. And um, also, I think one thing you and I agree on is uh, performance trumps the recording. Like the, the perform, right? Thank you. The performance is way Absolutely. more important. And I think that's, that's very clear if you go back. And it, I mean, any good music, it has to, so much to do with the performance. And I think also people can recognize it. Like if they hear something that communicates to them because of how authentically it's communicated and, and just the truth that exists, that, that, that it reveals – those sounds, whatever it is that that shows truth that's being expressed that is relatable, um, it doesn't need to be hi-fi, like clear as crystal for people to understand. I, I'm gonna give yeah. you an example that's gonna get me into big trouble. <laughs> but I, you know, I believe I believe in being honest with people and and trying to help people, 
get to where they need to get with you know little pieces of information that might be useful. On this uh, CD that we did, Noah did not uh, record and produce the track I'm going to talk about. But there's a song that was sung by my buddy Robbie. You saw him on the uh, on the uh, You Know My Name video earlier tonight. So Robbie sings this song, and I wrote this song about his father. Robbie told me a very touching story, which I can't relate, uh, about his father. And so I wrote this song. It's called Not Perfect. Not Perfect. You know, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me? It's not my fault that I'm not perfect. So let's just suffice to say his father wasn't really loved by his father. Um, and then, you know, as, as I wrote the song uh, later, I realized, well, it was also about my upbringing. And it was a lot about Robbie's life, too. And so it had more of a universal appeal. So it's like, you know, Robbie's got to sing this song because it's about his dad. And, you know, and, and I can relate to it. He can relate to it. So he sings this song. We record it. <clears throat> and then after we record it, we're going through the process that is prevalent. And that's we reach a moment where it's time to melodyne, which is equivalent yeah. of auto-tune, but in a different way. We're going to, you know, we're, we're ready to melodyne, not perfect. And I remember saying, I don't want to melodyne. And, you know, it was like, why don't you want to melodyne it? That's the way it's done. You know, that's the way it's done in Hollywood. That's the way everybody does it these days. Why don't you want to do it? And I said quite succinctly, because the song is called Not Perfect. <laughs> I don't want it to be perfect. You know, and it gets back to what your lady might have decided about the uh, smartphone recording versus the more slick recording. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter to me what somebody else thinks. I like this. Yeah. I'm the client, by the way, you know, and I'm going to go with this because it, 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 it connects with me better. Like you say, it feels like the guy sitting on the bed with the guitar. And for me, not perfect. If you, if you make the voice perfect, because none of us really sing perfect. I mean, everybody gets melodyned or auto-tuned nowadays. And at some point it's like, you're creating this like unreal thing, you know, it's, that's not the way the people really sound it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So again, I'll get in trouble for saying that, but again, speak up when you're in your own session, you're paying the bill. If you don't want it to be a certain way, tell them you don't want it to be a certain way and move on. These days, the, the moment. Is that possible? Do you have that loaded? I've got, uh, I want to make sure the, the application just quit out. So I'm just check, take oh, a okay. to um, make sure that. Well, Noah sang several of the songs that are on, on this collection um, that we've been talking about. Seal Beach Postcard. It's not really available yet. I'll put it on my website at some point. But um, it was, I came down to Charleston. I was living on the East Coast and I was able to go down and sit with Noah in his studio. And we did whatever it was, five or six songs. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed myself down there. I'm so glad that I got to do that while I was living on the East Coast. And Noah plays piano, folks. He doesn't just play uh, guitar. So you can come in and and he can uh, come up with a piano track as well as a guitar track to accompany you. Yep, I'm learning the piano. Yeah, sorry, the application just quit out. So I wanted to make sure that the stream, All right, the stream no problem. Uh, for some reason, it just, it just randomly quit. So I just want sure. to make sure the stream is back up. Um, All right. I, I've got loaded uh, Money Machine, Walk With Me, and Gotta Move. Those are the three other ones that I've got. Let's do Gotta Move. This is a song that I wrote about the guy who actually sings it. Okay. Uh, we'll keep his name out of it for now. But, yeah, he was, he was living in his parents' house. And I thought, what would that be like if you lived in your parents' house? So I wrote this song called Gotta Move. All right. Here we go.
I'm back in my parents' house. And I don't want to whine and grouse. But I can't have my lady friends over for the night to spend. Yeah, I'm back in my parents' house. I got no privacy. Everything I do, they see. Or here through the walls, I whisper my calls. I'm back in my parents' house. I'm back in my parents' house. I gotta move, I gotta move. Gotta get away from here. I gotta move, I gotta move. Gotta get my ass in here. Yeah, gotta get my ass in here. I'm stuck in my parents' house. Being quiet as a mouse. Making up my bed, waiting to be fed. I'm stuck in my parents' house. Hey, I'm too old for this. Freedom's what I really miss. But living rent free, well, it works for me. I'm stuck in my parents' house. I'm stuck in my parents' house. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Why won't you leave me alone? I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Why won't they leave me alone? <laughs> Gotta move out, Travis gotta move out. They're driving me crazy, calling me lazy, telling me what to do. I need a job, I need a place. Hey, can I move in with you? I'm back where I started again, but this time I'm a grown man. Sleeping on a twin bed, Transformers bedspread. Back in my parents' house, the picture's on the wall. They're me and I'm so small. My mom and dad don't know that I'm bad. I'm back in my parents' house. I'm back in my parents' house. I gotta move, I gotta move. Gotta get away from here. I gotta move, I gotta move. Gotta, gotta move. get my ass in here. Get my ass in gotta here. Gotta get my ass in here. Gotta get my ass in gotta here. Move out. Gotta move out. <laughs> gotta move out. Gotta move out. Gotta move out. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so I should give a shout out to Eddie Booz, who did the uh, the track for that. So he came up with the arrangement and played all the instruments, and uh, he really got that whole funky thing yeah, going. Yeah, that track there. is great. He, he did a great job at that track, isn't it? Yeah, Eddie, Eddie did an excellent job. So much respect to Eddie. Again, he's very talented. Yeah. And Travis got he he. Uh, he well, I think Travis is is impacted or influenced by uh, Disney. Disney songs a lot. I think he, he likes he likes. Yes, Disney he songs. is. And so there's a yes, quite he does. Th uh, theater in, in how he's performing, and and you can yes. see like, and he 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 hit a lot of it really well. Like the um, I'm on the phone. <laughs> you know, it's like you can really hear it. Like <laughs> why won't you, you leave me it, alone? Like you know, it's really there. Yeah. I'm on the phone. Well, I like to think that it was you know I, I really wrote it about his life as I imagined what it must be like living it with your parents. You know, when you're an adult. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so he, he, I, I think my favorite, I can't remember all the lines anymore, but there's something in there about he's sleeping on the same bed he slept on when he was a kid and he's got transformer sheets or something. I like, I like that line. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. All right. Well, um, we're coming up on two hours here. We've got like, all right, it's been a quick two hours. I appreciate you taking the time to spend with me. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on, Nathan. Um, let's say, uh, go to NathanDouglasGo.com to check out Nathan's stuff. Um, let's, let's see. So you put out how many albums now? Is it, I think it's seven, seven or eight. eight. I can't remember. So he's, he's got all, all those songs posted on the website. Maybe aside from, yeah, with the exception of the stay at home, which is one okay. you did uh, 12 songs on. Yeah. That's a masterpiece. Noah did 12 songs uh, that I wrote and he, 
you know, I like to think many of those songs sound like you wrote them yourself, man. They fit you like a glove. So uh, we'll get that up on the website by the end of the year, I guess. And uh, other than that, um, I guess if you're if you're in Long Beach and you're watching this, you know, go, it's the street karaoke. Are you still doing that? Like you said, there was. A, you said yeah, there was a... I'm, I'm down there. I'll be down there on okay. Sunday nights in Seal Beach. Come on down and sing with me. And if uh, if Robbie's not playing, I'll probably be down there on Fridays and Saturdays as well. I was there all three nights this past week, and I just don't know what his schedule is. But Sunday night for sure, uh, on Main and Central. Okay. I'm going to let, let us go out on uh, Money Machine. Is that cool? Is that? Oh, this is the one Schwann yeah, yeah. lights. Your wife yeah. lights this one. She said yeah, you're a lot like the, the character machine. in this song. <laughs> yeah. Here we, here we go. Money Machine. All right.